This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. In just a few moments, Jennifer McCracken, Senior Manager and Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions, returns to talk about student loans and other debt solutions. Well, that can be problems for many Canadians, and there are more than a few of us experiencing them this summer. In our second hour today, you'll meet Dean Katopsky, Clinical Director at the Performax Health Group in Burnaby. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. And just a week after we reported on WestJet being bought up by Onyx Corporation for $5 bucks. There's been another aviation merger to talk about this weekend. Air Canada has entered into 30 days of exclusive talks with Montreal-based Air Transat to try to cut a deal to buy Air Transat for $488 million. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, we reported Air Transat was looking at multiple offers to purchase, but at the time was playing coy. Well, that phase is obviously over, and the real time Talks have begun, nothing expected for a few weeks now, as the talks turn to all the fine print and terms and conditions. We'll keep you posted. On Thursday, BC Ferries announced that due to the current fuel market conditions, the company will be implementing a fuel surcharge of 1.5% effective June 1st, which translates basically to a quarter for an adult and 85 cents for a vehicle on routes between Metro Vancouver and the island. Inter-island trips will see an increase of about 15 cents for adults, 45 cents for a vehicle. BC Ferries saying rebates and surcharges on fuel are nothing new to the company. They've been using them for years to manage the volatile price of fuel. A fuel rebate is sometimes introduced when the market price of fuel is lower, and a surcharge is introduced when market prices rise, as is now. Ferries, by the way, confirming they do not benefit financially from surcharges or rebates, for that matter. Amazon may have crushed expectations for its first quarter earnings results, its fourth straight quarter of record profit, but that still didn't land it in the top spot of a recent list of fastest-growing companies. Now, according to an analysis released by 24-7 Wall Street on Wednesday... Amazon's number four. They reported just over 30% growth last year. Gaia Inc., a video streaming services that focuses on alternative healing and meditation, led the group with an impressive 55% growth last year. Wayfair and Etsy were ranked numbers two and three, respectively. The Boston-based Wayfair was up 44%, Etsy 37 And number five, Vancouver's Lululemon Athletic. The number five fastest growing company on the list, up over 21% last year. The company hasn't seen a revenue growth that high since 2012, according to financial analyst site Seeking Alpha. And they add, Lululemon believes a renewed focus on menswear will quadruple sales within five years. Good news for Vancouver workers and investors alike. The Big Bang Theory aired its final episode Thursday night, and the star that ultimately decided to stop doing the show has opened up about why. Jim Parsons, who plays Sheldon Cooper, was previously rumored to be behind the decision not to return to season 12. While the show is an ensemble, Parsons' character, of course, is the best known and perhaps beloved of all characters, most storylines rather revolving around his high-maintenance attitude. 46-year-old Jim Parsons has won several Emmys, 
Quote, it was the first time in my life of doing this show that it occurred to me that I just might not want to do another episode, another year. And once I had that thought, well, I was like, there's your answer. It's over. Series created Chuck Lorre explained he did consider moving the show forward without Sheldon, but ultimately decided not to. And thus ends new episodes of the story, which of course will continue in reruns until the end of time. Did you like the last episode on Thursday night? Uh, apparently more, more fans of that one than the current episodes of Game of Thrones. That's a whole other story. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at a few more as the show goes along. But coming right up is Jennifer McCracken from BDO First Call Debt Solutions, who will offer some hope for those feeling the debt squeeze, and we'll talk a lot about student loans. And that's all coming right up. This is Vancouver Consumer, and you are on CKNW. It's a lovely Saturday afternoon on this long weekend. I'm Sterling Fox, and it's a real treat to welcome Jennifer McCracken back to Vancouver Consumer. Hello. Hello. Jennifer is a senior manager and licensed insolvency trustee at BDO First Call Debt Solutions. Jennifer is also a graduate of the University of British Columbia, and yes, also in her lifetime, has done the student loan dance, haven't you? Yes, I have, like many other Canadians. All right. So as we hear on, grad, it's grad season for crying out loud. And yeah. uh, I mean, it's a perfect time to have a conversation, not the happiest chat in the world. I mean, there's a lot of partying going on this weekend. <laughs> but you know, uh, this is the reality in 2019 for any graduating post-secondary student anywhere in Canada, Jennifer, mm -hmm. is they're probably going to be carrying a student loan averaging somewhere around $27,000. That's correct. And we, we want to say congrats. That's great. We hope they are able to enter the job market and secure the employment they've been looking for, they are. this will probably be the first experience with debt and mm -hmm. probably the largest debt they have in their name. Okay. And it, on average, you're right, it is 27000 For anybody in a specialty program, PhD, any sort of post-grad program, it will be upwards of $100,000. Or even if you're into one of the, like, law or medicine or dentistry or something requiring right. uh, extra, extra, then that, that 27 k is going to look pretty, pretty sweet because many of those specialty programs, students emerge with a sale law degree and 100000 in debt. Yes, That's not unusual, is it? It isn't. And something to keep in mind, because we, we focus a lot on the amount owing to the Canada Student Loans Program, so mm -hmm. whether it's a provincial funded loan or a, a federally funded loan, but we also have other debt that individuals acquire and accumulate during that study. And it's not uncommon for some of those, those specialty programs that you're mentioning, for them to actually have unsecured lines of credit with financial institutions on the upwards of fifty to $75,000. And it seems, it seems odd that a financial institution would be willing to advance $100,000 to a university student. However... Well, if it's an investment it, on the education. Exactly. And, yes. If you're a medical student and you, it, and you know, their statistics will bear out that in your best earning years, you're going to be doing in excess of $200,000. So even though you're not employed today and you don't have a scroll yet, mm -hmm. you represent a pretty good risk to those lenders, don't you? Uh, yeah, you do. And I think, and, and I, it's not to say I have loads of physicians and lawyers walking into my office. I, you know, I think presumably a lot of those loans are getting paid and it, they may not get paid a year or two following graduation, they'll get satisfied as the career grows, the income grows. But it's just, you almost have to have a pregnant pause when you think about how much debt 
a graduate could have, as you say, like they leave their convocation ceremony mm-hmm. and they could have $150,000 of debt in their name. And that causes a lot of emotional and psychological stress. And so I think a lot of folks need to be aware, first of all, caution about how much debt you're taking on. If you're a parent with a child entering university, try to ensure they don't accumulate any of that other unsecured debt on, you know, the the forum day or, you know, they, they're on the sub building and, and there's the kiosk with the, the MasterCard or the, you know, the whatever, the visa, you know, try to control, you can give them a supplemental card in your account and really control and watch the, how they're spending and, and put limits on that. Giving them free reign to just get credit in their own name is a risk. And also talk to your your children uh, your th- that are students about how much debt, if they are taking on student loans, what is the amount that they're taking on each year? If there could be a bursary or grant portion. Portion, mm-hmm. But there is going to be a portion that they're responsible to pay back and talk to them about, like even now we can say if the average student loan debt is 27000 right. looking at the current interest rates, if that takes you five years to pay that off, they could be looking to upwards of a student loan payment of 500 a month. Mm-hmm. And even if the minimum payment is 200 if they're still in an entry-level job, if they're just doing the minimum, that is an amount that could be difficult to pay. And that's the big turnaround, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you come out of school uh, and you've got some education and certainly a lot of motivation to go to work, to uh, driven in part by that 27,000 uh, debt right. sword of Damocles hanging over your head. Nonetheless, you're inspired. You're ready to go to work. But you're not going to get paid the sun, the moon, and the stars. You're going to get paid entry-level wages no matter where you go. And that will reduce your ability to service that debt, mm-hmm. even if you have the best of intentions. That's correct. And so some little bit of advice we give, and I know there's a lot of talk about adult ch- children living at home, but you may find if you took a 12-month period if mom and dad let you, um, you just live at home to reduce your rent costs. And as long as you're actually applying that savings in your living expenses to your student loans, that's one way to pay it back sooner. Cut back on discretionary spending like clothing and eating out. You know, really be focused on paying above the minimum payment on the student loan agreement. Because if, for example, a $25,000 student loan debt, if you pay above the minimum and pay it off within five years, um, you're going to see a savings and in interest. That loan actually costs you less because there, there is interest applied to these loans. Sure. If you take 20 years or longer, the difference in what you could save on interest payments could be upwards of $15,000. And when you talk about missed milestones, and that's where you get you, people miss out on an ability to save and, and and meet their other financial goals is because they're actually spending more, a disproportionate amount of their income on servicing their debt. So where you can find savings in your budget and pay off that student loan debt above the minimum payment, you'll get the debt paid off sooner, you'll pay less in interest in the long run, and you're going to get the benefit of that. And that's really what we're trying to encourage folks to do as best they can. Okay, we'll talk about the uh, ridiculously easy uh, way it is for young people to get into debt as they begin school and a lot of them just cannot get into debt fast enough because that represents independence even though their parents may be counseling against it I got a credit card look out world and off they go uh, so you know there's that but then let's talk about the the, the student loan portion of it though the, uh, let's let's assume we've got a, a person graduating from high school this week and they're going to go off to UBC your alma mater mm-hmm. in the fall and they're going to they're going to need some help. Mom and dad don't have all the money in the world. They're going to need some student loan money. Who are they getting the money from? 
Well, they're going to be applying for the Canada uh, Student Loans Program. So is that a federal or provincial yeah, thing? Yeah, there's federal. And so most, they're they're integrated now. It's certainly from a collection standpoint, they're, they're integrated, but there will be a provincial portion and a federal portion to the loan. And um, actually, one thing to keep in mind for students that actually have student loans, the provincial portion, recently in February of this year, the BC, the province of BC announced that there's no more interest on the provincial portion uh, of the yes, loans. Yes, I remember that. Yes. So that's one exciting bit. And then also, I think because... Whether we're talking on a provincial level or federal level, there's an awareness that the level of the, of an amount owing for government-funded loans is a problem. So you and I were talking before the show started that in 2010, it was measured that the amount of student loan debt across Canada was $15 billion. $15 billion owed by Canadian students 10 years ago. So what is so that number So imagine what that number right? is now. And, and so, there's a real, so now we also have saw in the federal budget in 2019, there's also new measures allowing for a grace period following not requiring repayment. So this is allowing an individual to re- to establish themselves sure. following graduation, secure employment, etc. And then we're also seeing a reduction in the floating interest rate as well. And so I think that there is an awareness that if we don't do something, that there there is a need to to take steps to to basically reduce the amount of debt that people are graduating with, and also provide uh, relief within the Canada Student Loan programs through through the various programs that they have to to accommodate students that are maybe of lower income or have disabilities, and provide solutions that allow them to to maybe repay repay at a different rate than somebody who's maybe working full time. So um, that part is interesting. I don't think a lot of Canadians are aware. Um, they think they just have to pay the minimum payment on their student loan sure. documents. They don't. They're not aware that there is a repayment assistance plan available through the student loans programs that they can apply for. So BC has it. Um, there's a the national student loans uh, has it as well. And so I think a lot of Canadians need to be aware of that. I'm not saying you'll go into school and know that you're gonna gonna write down the debt. I think students want to make sure that they understand how much debt they're taking on. That there is a responsibility that they'll have to pay it. What is the anticipated job they're going to be vying for upon graduation? Mm-hmm. What's the annual salary when you start out, you know, five years later, 10 years later, all that stuff's important. But when you find that you graduate, you may have personal life circumstances that have gotten in the way that have prohibited you from getting that job or secure, or maintaining that employment. There are options available through the Canada Student Loans Program to alter how you pay back your loan as well and give you that flexibility you need to get back on your feet. Now, in your business as a licensed insolvency trustee over at BDO First Call Debt Solutions, how many of your clients are experiencing debt difficulties in part due to student loan difficulties? Oh, I would say uh, at least, I would say 40% of wow, the people that, that come high. to my practice have some form of student loan debt. And something to keep in mind with student loans is that they're not, it's a different type of creditor and claim than a bank loan or a visa. So there are provisions that basically set out, is the debt something that we can discharge and eliminate in a bankruptcy or proposal mm-hmm. or not? And so the, the window of time we're always cognizant of is seven years from when the individual finished their studies. So if, if I meet someone who's sort of a newly minted graduate of something or they're only two or three years out of graduation, that student loan debt actually will not be dischargeable in either a bankruptcy or a proposal. 
but they're usually carrying other forms of debt that we can deal with, right? But um, certainly it, it does not help the situation that there could be high interest debt and then the student loan debt, which tends to be high. So 27000 is a good number in terms of what I see. That looks pretty pretty much within the range of what I'm t- typically looking at in my practice. Is, uh, when, when any, is the government obliged to give you money if you apply for a student loan? Because when I applied, mm-hmm. it's been a while since I was a first-year university student, Jennifer. But when I applied... <laughs> Uh, I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't allowed a student loan. It was a means test at play, and the family income was too high, and so I just had to rely on a job and whatever I could leech from my parents because the government wasn't going to give me any money. Oh, for sure. Like there's a financial disclosure process as part of that in terms of like what is the household income, where are you living, what are your resources, and I and a lot of that also relates to how much you would receive in terms of a grant or bursary mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. a lot of students qualify. Um, um, for that sort, of, and that's an amount they don't have to pay back, and that is based on need as well. So I think it's important. We know that uh, Canadians benefit from being educated. And I think it's great that there is a process where we have access to education if we can't afford to pay out of pocket with our savings. That you know there are. Um, there is there is ability to get loans from the government for that, and there's also benefits on your tax return um, for having government student loans. So that is all well and good. It's just a matter of ensuring that if you are in a program, that there really is the job prospect that you're looking for, because this is really a loan that you are going to have to pay upon graduation. Okay, let's follow up on that because let's say now it's grad season, and I'm an art student. I've just graduated from UBC. I just got my BA last week, and I'm going to take a few weeks party and then I'm going to go to work and I've got $27,000 actually in student loans. So now I owe that. I'm done school. How quickly must I begin a repayment program? The uh, student loans will set out a repayment start date. And so if you're not able to pay based on your income, you I would certainly encourage folks to apply for the repayment assistance plan because what you may find is that you get an adjustment to the monthly payment so that at least you bring it down. So I, my understanding is the threshold's 20% or more of the student loan payment relative to income. There will be a reduction so that they basically cater the payment to meet your ability to based on your income. Right. Or there so also they're prepared be, to be accommodating. Absolutely. Or, or interest relief right. where the, where you don't have to make a payment and there's an interest relief status. Those programs, though, you have to reapply. You don't re-enroll automatically. There's a six-year uh, re-application uh, requirement. And so students that are stressed about the repayment date, that because mm. they, they'll get notice from Canada Student Loans or, or potentially what, what, what the date is that they right. have to start paying and what the monthly amount is. Congratulations on graduating. Here's, Here's the bill. Here, yeah. And right. if they're worried about that, they definitely, it's really important not to let the loan go into default. So what I see pretty frequently in my practice is folks that have not been able to meet the repayment dates. They did not take advantage of the RAP programs and their loans gone into default. And that's where we find that there's, it, it becomes a lot more difficult to, to manage the payments. And we'll talk about uh, once you get into that kind of uh, sticky wicket, uh, there are ways from which to extricate yourself from yes. all of that. It just takes a little patience and a lot of organization. Our guest is so nice to have Jennifer back with us today. Jennifer McCracken, Senior your manager, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Debt Solutions. Uh, The website, friends, is debtsolutions.bdo.ca. 
And welcome back to the second half of this hour. Jennifer McCracken in studio. Jennifer is a senior manager and licensed insolvency trustee at BDO First Call Debt Solutions. And you can find them online. It's an excellent website, a great resource, actually. DebtSolutions.BDO.ca. Jennifer, we have a a gentleman in North Delta. Nicholas has been waiting very patiently on the line through the entire newscast to have a go at us. He has a question for us. Nicholas, thank you for waiting. What's your question for Jennifer? And good afternoon. I need her phone number. I'm sorry? I need her phone number. Oh, okay. You've got the radio turned up too loud. I'm going to have to get you to turn that down, and I will give you, uh, put you back on hold, and we will give you Jennifer's phone number right away. What is it? Okay. Our number is 604-588-4275. Okay. 4275-588-4275. Nicholas waited a long time to find out your phone number. <laughs> so I would assume you'll be getting a call from Nicholas I'm, soon. I'm waiting for the call. Uh, and, and do give her a call, by the way, Nicholas. Jennifer is a very approachable person and a very reasonable human being and lots of fun to talk to. 604-588-4275. That's Jennifer's number. 604-280-9898 is my number. If you would like to join us and have a question for Jennifer this afternoon, we're talking student loans, among other things. That's right. It's grad season, and people don't want to talk numbers. They want to talk party. But, you know, it's grad season, and sometimes you just have to hunker down and deal with the numbers. 604-280-9898 if you want to jump in. Now, we've been talking about student loans, and you were telling me during the news, and this is something that would be shocking to a lot of our listeners. In some cases where student loan debt becomes such a problem. And we're talking about young people, and usually in their early to mid-20s, struggling with thousands of dollars of debt, making crummy money doing entry-level work, sometimes at jobs they did not train or educate themselves to do, and so reluctantly earning entry-level wages, and they get themselves into a real financial pickle. For those people, in some cases, Jennifer told me during the news, and thank God I was sitting down, bankruptcy may actually be a smart strategy. I was floored. How, yeah, that, How does that well, that's work? Correct. Well, when you think about it, in ter- when we look at what the options are for an individual, and when I'm looking under what I can offer to a person to basically get relief and become debt-free, the options are consumer proposal and bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Typically, consumer proposal is five years. And for a lot of folks that know they have 30%, 40% of the debt load actually surviving their proposal. So this is because they have only left school maybe two or three years. Mm-hmm. The debt, The student loan debt is not going to be discharged as part of their proposal, they realize, wait, I'm going to be in a proposal for five years, and then I'm going to have to sort out paying my student loans. And they may not also be able to afford the proposal. As you say, their income can be at a level where they really can't make an offer that is is really substantial enough to, so to the, get through. So the, the consumer proposal would not include the debt of the student it, loan? Well, it would be included in the sense that it would receive a portion of the proposal payment, but it actually wouldn't be discharged. And the goal with a proposal in any kind of insolvency proceeding is they want to be yeah, exactly. They want to be debt free. Right. And so for a lot of folks, they and a lot of folks, I will say, legitimately come in and say, look. Um, they, they really actually kind of categorize the student loan differently, not because the bankruptcy act says to do it, but it's psychologically they say, no, I did go to school. I understood when I borrowed this. 
this money, I'd have to pay it back. Of course. What's really crippling my budget right now are the high interest debts that I have on Visa or lines mm-hmm. of credit overdraft. Mm-hmm. And so they want to do a process that if that debt is discharged, then they can really tackle the student loan debt and they're prepared to pay it. And so from that standpoint, the bankruptcy makes more sense because it is typically a shorter process. It could be as short as nine months. And also it generally the cost to them, the amount that they're going to pay and contribute to the bankruptcy is lower than the proposal. So instead of contributing all this money to a proposal and and have student loans still surviving, they can contribute the amount that they would to a bankruptcy and then really tackle that student loan debt when they're discharged from bankruptcy and really focus on paying that down. So that's a really sound strategy for an individual to take because, again, the focus is how do I get out of debt? How do I be debt free, mm-hmm. and how do I do that as soon as possible? And what, and what, based on what the options are, that's an approach that will really work well for a person. And how many of these young people dealing and struggling with student loans and you know all of this officialdom going on, and those high interest credit card debts? How many of that? A credit card debt load was incurred while they were in school. It, you know, and you and I talked about this, and we've talked about it before on the radio together. Right. When you go to school, when you go to opening day, and you mentioned it today, when you yeah. go to opening day at SFU or UBC or, or, or any of the colleges, there's this room full of, of, of booths and, and desks, and hi, welcome, yeah, club sign day. up yeah. for this, you know, join the, <laughs> join the, 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 the chemistry club, right. uh, get a visa card. I mean, you, <laughs> right. there, there's a place that you can stop and do all of these things. And of course, again, for a lot of young people, a first credit card is, it's a real... Uh, they feel it, grown up. It's Exactly. And so that debt begins before, in some cases, before your first class. Well, for sure. And for a lot of them, because they're getting the loans from the Canada student loans, and they're, they're not requiring to repay them because they haven't graduated, they haven't left school. So th- that debt, it, and to a certain extent, doesn't really feel real to them. Um, the visa and the credit card debt, yes, they're, they're very focused on, okay, well, if they've incurred a balance on that, they're dealing with it during their time at school. And then on graduation, they're already used to having to make those payments and meet those the, the, the obligations within those, those debts. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It tends to be debt they've accumulated during their studies. And certainly upon graduation, if again, the income is not at the amount that they expect it to be. You and I have talked a lot about the cost of living and how high rent is in the lower mainland. In the most expensive city in Canada. There you have it. And so again, they're really, they're focused on trying to meet the minimum payments on the the debts that they've incurred. So it could be unsecured debt, $15,000, $20,000. And then boom, they're smacked with having to now start make payments on their Canada student loans. And so that's when the budget gets really tight and it becomes very, very stressful. I mean, a lot of folks will get a second job, they'll tweak their budget, but for some folks, that's just not enough. That's mm-hmm. not going to be enough to really deal with meeting the, the minimum payments. But more importantly, the focus is to deal with the situation, say, what can we do to be debt-free? Because really, if you meet, you make those minimum payments on the credit card accounts, it could take you 30 years to pay that debt off. Is that really the solution that you're looking for? Um, if, if you've had personal issues and health uh, circumstances that have changed and really the, your income prospects are really not what you thought they'd be, that's where you really need to think through, like, I've done my best. I, I'm not happy that I'm here, mm-hmm. but what can I do? What am I able to do to be debt-free? And yes, it is about being fair to the creditors but it's also about being fair to yourself that you're not supposed to be punishing yourself. If you've made that mistake, that's okay. There's still solutions available to you. A lot of people are obsessed with credit ratings, though. You just 
just said, if you got one of these uh, 20-odd percent interest rate credit cards, and you, but you make the minimum payment on time every month just, uh, just religiously, you're not, you're not really retiring your debt very rapidly, mm-hmm. but you are keeping your credit rating nice and buffed and shiny. How important is that in the big picture? Yeah, I think people need to think about their overall financial goals because that is important. I mean, we know credit checks are performed for, for rent. It could be performed for employment applications. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have goals to to buy real estate or buy a condo, yeah, we appreciate that you have to have a good credit score. You have to meet all those requirements that the lender's going to ask of you. But the bigger thing that we need to think about is that are you going to maintain that good credit rating and be in debt for another 25 or 30 years? Right. And be that that you know guinea pig and you know on, on the wheel. So I think that's one thing that we want folks to think about is you know it's not the be all end all of your financial health is having a great credit score. You could be um, totally insolvent and sort of in, in a way kind of on the verge of bankruptcy or proposal and have a great credit score. It's not unusual. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the folks that enter my practice and do an insolvency filing actually do have a strong credit score. So it's not really a measure of health. It's a measure for a lender of what's the risk of default. And so I think a lot of folks need to set a Aside the stigma of doing a bankruptcy or proposal and sort of holding up the credit score as being sort of representative of their financial health, let's not get caught up in that game. And uh, pl- let's really pl- placing too much importance yes, on the credit so, score. You know? And you see the ads on TV, and they've got these apps now, and you can just press this, and there's your credit score. Well, and there's score. usually, I don't know if you've noticed, there's usually young people on those ads, exactly. right? It's like women sort of in a bistro. Mm-hmm. It's they're younger people. There's definitely, because again, those folks are the ones, they have the apps on their phone. It, it is appealing to sort of that younger generation. And I think a lot of folks could benefit from doing research on what is what does my credit score measure? Right. What and, does it mean? And perhaps misdirecting too much energy and focus on a positive credit score when, in fact, the rest of the financial picture around that reasonable credit score ain't so reasonable at all. It's a bit right. of a mess. And, but and, the credit score is great. And we always talk about the missed opportunities. So right. if you've been servicing debt for years and years and years, you're not getting the, the debt load down and the process to actually paying it off and being debt-free is really not great. That's when we, we really want folks reaching out and finding out what their options are. This is why we call it the first call. Making that first call is really stressful. And a licensed insolvency trustee will review w- what options are best for you to manage your current financial situation. We don't You don't have to do a bankruptcy or a proposal. There may be some other option available. Yeah. But that's why we're informed and can direct you to what that option is. And so I think a lot of folks um, would benefit from seeing a trustee if they're dealing, they have a high-level level debt, they're making the minimum payments, and if they feel like you're saying they're a paycheck away from from bankruptcy, then absolutely, you've got to reach out and find out what your options are. Our guest is Jennifer McCracken from BDO First Call Debt Solutions. Their excellent website is debtsolutions.bdo.ca, and on that website, you'll find, among other things, the number to make that first call to. In Jennifer's case, it's 604 588 Four seven two. I'm four. It's four two seven five. Let me repeat that. I don't want to get it wrong. Six zero four five eight eight. 4275. That's Jennifer's number if you'd like to give a call. Uh, and, and of course, you and your team, uh, you, you talk a lot about the two biggies, a proposal, the consumer proposal, versus bankruptcy. There are other options, but Jennifer, take a moment, if you would, please. What's the big difference between bankruptcy, we understand bankruptcy, you're done, 
and a consumer proposal. What's that? Right. So bankruptcy, you're, you're correct. It, it is the option of last resort. Um, typically, it's the shortest process that an individual will go through. And it will, out of pocket in terms of what the cost is to them, it really, they, they just have to contribute the amount that's required based on their situation. For a lot of folks, it is a, a very low cost process. And so it is a quick and easy way to to basically get a discharge of your debt when you've, you've really reached a point that you need that relief so badly. Um, for a consumer proposal, uh, that's where an individual's funding in essence, a proposal amount over a period of time to their creditors. We negotiate, your licensed insolvency trustee will negotiate that amount. So you don't sit down face-to-face with the the, the Royal Bank visa people or any of that kind of stuff? We used to see their faces more back in the day, I can tell you. But the consumer never does. You, the trustee, are that individual's representative in that conversation. Absolutely. So we send out the proposal, we do a report, the creditors have a time frame to respond, and there's a negotiation back and forth. A lot of times they just get accepted because we we have give guidance as to what is a fair offer. Sure. It, it will always be generally contemplating a, a pretty significant reduction to the debt that they owe. So, yeah, you know, a lot of times we send out proposals that have recoveries upwards of ten percent to twenty percent of the total debt load. So, for folks that are saying, "Look, I I don't really feel like a bankruptcy is what I need right now. That's that's really the the last option. I do feel like I can offer an amount that I can pay my credit. I just can't pay back everything. So, and so that's where we look to the proposal. Now, back to the credit score fixation. Mm-hmm. What's the difference in terms of your credit record or credit history if you go bankrupt versus uh, put out a consumer proposal? Well, the proposal will have a seven rating on the accounts and that will stay on for three years from the date paid. So our proposals are typically amortized over five years, but a lot of folks pay it sooner. So okay. whenever that is, so if you paid it three years, it's three plus three. And if you do the five years, then it's five plus three. And then bankruptcy is six years from the date of discharge. So as I said earlier in the program, if bankruptcy is nine months, um, that's the shortest time frame. Sometimes it can span 21 months if you have a little bit of higher income, in which case then the six-year window starts from the date that you get your discharge. And the discharge is key because that means you are actually released and discharged of your debt. You are debt-free at that point. Does that mean that once you uh, your proposal is accepted and you you become a debt-free person, it's still going to take you X number more years before anybody's going to even look at you for a credit card? Actually, I find a lot of folks are able to, because so many lenders now are so savvy and aware of the proposal and bankruptcy process, that they're actually able to reestablish credit during their proposal. Interesting. Well, eh? no, even something like a secured credit card, the risk is very low. Sure. You've put money down on there. Um, it's a way, you know, you can use it to pay your high bill every month. I Your mean, plane you, tickets, whatever. Yeah, right. And and so there's, it's very, you know, you, it's not a risk of oh, I'm going to accrue a ton of debt during this proposal. It's very low risk. And what happens is those accounts are reporting either during your proposal or shortly after completion. And once the three year window has passed, the record of the proposal and those accounts are totally discharged. So we do work with individuals. We offer two counseling sessions in bankruptcy and proposal, and we give that guidance on what works for you. I mean, I lead a, meet a lot of folks that don't want to reestablish credit, and they're fine with just living sure. on a cash free basis. So that's, that's right. fine too. We would customize I'm that. I don't know. I didn't want to think about that. Yeah, and some people like the convenience of being on a cash system, and that's fine too. But for the folks that actually want to reestablish credit, yeah, there's lots of great uh, products out there that help them reestablish during a proposal or you know shortly after. Well, here's a sad fact for you, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. 
We're out of time. Oh, no. It always goes by so quickly. I know. know. (laughs) Very animated conversation. We get a call or two, and off we go. Right. And all of a sudden, we're done. Well, it's great seeing you. Well, nice to see you, too, and I hope you have an excellent summer. Now, debtsolutions.bdo.ca is Jennifer's website here. And you have how many offices around Metro Bay? We have eight offices. So we do the Fraser Valley, and we do Vancouver and and other cities. So, folks, and we can get you either if it's sort of after work, on your way home, or near your work. We've, We've got probably most of the cities covered for anybody uh, that's in the lower mainland. Okay, and let me give Jennifer's number here again, 604-588-4275. Jennifer McCracken, thank you. Lovely to see you, you again. Too. Have an excellent summer. You too. And uh, we'll be right back after this. And once again, our thanks to Jennifer McCracken from BDO First Call Debt Solutions for another very helpful visit. Thanks for the calls as well. Coming up our next hour, you'll meet Dean Katopsky, Clinical Director at the Performax Health Group. Time now for Dooley Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, checks out vaping ads at TransLink stations. Thanks, Sterling. TransLink is under fire for allowing ads for vaping products to be prominently displayed throughout at least one Vancouver SkyTrain station. The underground platforms at Broad Station are plastered with ads from Vipe, a vaporizer manufacturer based in the UK. Nearly every wall past the compass gates features a large promotion for its ePod vaporizer. The ads also feature language warning that nicotine is addictive, while also noting the ad's message doesn't represent the opinions of and are not endorsed by TransLink or its subsidiary. TransLink spokesperson Jill Drews. We're unable by law to reject this ad. Under the Tobacco and Vaping Products Act, advertising of vaping products is allowed as long as it includes language that conveys the health hazards and health effects linked to the product. Health Canada proposed new guidelines earlier this year that greatly limits the advertising of vaping products in order to limit exposure to young people. The restrictions, which have not yet been finalized, would bar ads from certain public places where youth have access, including public transit vehicles and stations. I'm Ben Julie, and that's Duly Noted. Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news. A public health doctor here in B.C. says the transmission of infectious diseases from imported dogs to humans is an emerging problem, and both physicians and patients should be looking for symptoms. Her name is Dr. Alani Galanis, and she says a woman who had fever, headaches, and weight loss for a couple of months was diagnosed through a blood test as having an infectious disease called brucellosis, caught from a dog she'd rescued in Mexico. Veterinarian Rob Ashburner, who speaks for the BC branch of the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association and who is a previous guest on this program, says the organization has been working for years to try to get the feds to enact stronger regulations for imported dogs because certificates presented to Canadian officials at borders are sometimes bogus and animal inspections are not comprehensive. I know people who have rescue dogs from Mexico and other non-BC places And their animals are all doing well. All the vets are asking for is stiffer border checks to reduce risks to well-intentioned folks. 
Well, it's the May long weekend, which always means Cloverdale Rodeo time, and it's also opening day for three of our city's outdoor pools. Kitts Pool, New Brighton Pool, and Second Beach Pool in Stanley Park all open today with the outdoor pool at Hillcrest Aquatic Center. Both Kitsilano and New Brighton Pools offer free Wi-Fi, too, and also opening today, 13 concession stands and the new Stanley Park Ranger Station near Second Beach, which will be staffed all summer by uniformed rangers. So we're open and ready. All we need now, a little boost from the weather office. We're looking pretty good so far. Maybe not so much on Monday. Those are a few more of the week's top consumer stories. The news is next, and then we'll introduce you to the people at Performax Health Group. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.